Hey y'all, welcome to Triumph Over Trauma, the podcast. Listen y'all, I created this podcast because like so many other people, I've had a traumatic past. I didn't always realize how those things affected me negatively and how I even carried them into my adult life. And so I wanted to create a space where other people could come and we could have candid conversations on how you identify trauma, how do you navigate it, and how you recover from traumatic experiences. If this resonates with you, then join me. I am your host and trauma survivor, Miss Eve McNair. Let's get into it. Y'all, it is the first official episode of the Triumph Over Trauma podcast, and I can't be more excited to begin. Listen, I got to tell y'all how I came up with the name real quick. So there's a scripture in the Bible. It's 2 Corinthians um, 2 verses 14, right? Just a small part of the verse says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. And when I read that scripture, I was like, that's it. Because it's only by the grace of God that I'm literally able to share this with you, right? We're getting ready to talk about some stuff that I have never spoken to anyone else about outside of Jesus and my therapist, okay? And this podcast is very much a part of my own healing journey, right? But I want you to note this, that not everyone will agree with how you heal. Not everyone will agree with how you process pain, right? But do not allow that to stop you from doing the work. You deserve to be free, you deserve to be happy, and you deserve to be whole. So with that being said, let's get started. So before we get started into my trauma story and everything that follows, I feel like it's important to note that every trauma story is different, right? And everyone will react to trauma differently, right? Um, And trauma can come in many forms. You might consider the pandemic traumatizing, right? Because there's this looming fear that you might get infected or you might infect someone else. Then you're isolated from your friends and family, right? Then there's food shortages, right? Uh, then you're concerned of whether or not you'll be able to keep your job, right? All of these things had an effect on us globally. Like they affected us as a nation, right? But I want to talk about the types of trauma that affect you personally, right? That affect your mental health, right? Your emotional well-being. They affect your self-esteem, how you feel about yourself how you view others they affect your overall outlook on life right so I feel like those are the types of trauma that we tend to suppress right especially if they're shameful right like if you've been abused right in any way right physically mentally emotionally sexually abused right we tend to hide that or suppress that right uh, maybe you grew up in a home where you were isolated abandoned and neglected and rejected right maybe you or involved in some sort of domestic violence incident, right? Uh, that can be traumatic, right? Maybe you grew up in poverty. Maybe your parents were addicted to drugs, right? Maybe your environment was constantly dysfunctional and toxic, right? You might not have been mothered properly. You might not have been fathered properly. Um, you might have had an absent parent, right? But regardless of whatever your traumatic experiences were and are, your trauma is still valid, even if you never told anyone, even if you can't remember all of it, even if it happened a long time ago, even if people don't believe you, right? Even if they didn't believe you then, even if you're feeling better now, right? Even if you didn't realize it was traumatic until now or until later on in life, right? 
even if you know people who've gone through worse experiences than you, your trauma is still valid, even if if you don't feel like it. Your trauma is still real. And don't let anyone invalidate how you feel. Because people will when they're uncomfortable, when they don't want to admit it, when they don't want to agree. People will try to invalidate how you feel about an experience you had. But don't let them. Okay, guys, without further ado, here's my story. So if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know me personally, I'm going to give you a little bit of my background. And I'm starting at the very beginning of my life because when we get to the part where I tell you how trauma has affected me and when I tell you what I was diagnosed with and how the devil tried to literally destroy me, you'll understand how and why. Okay, so uh, I'm the youngest of six siblings. Actually, I have a twin brother. Uh, He and I are the youngest of six siblings, right? We were born in Philadelphia in the late 70s, and both my mother and father were heavily addicted to drugs, right? And so my brother and I were born prematurely um, at three and a half pounds, and, you know, obviously my mother's body just was not well enough to carry us to term, right? And so we had to stay in the hospital, of course, until we were strong enough to come home. And um, even, of course, when we did come home, it was not to an environment that was conducive to uh, any child's well-being, right? Um, But be that as it may, those were the circumstances that we were born under, right? And so uh, life was really difficult for us um, as kids, right? Um, Mom was often absent because of her addiction. When dad was present, he was abusive. Um, And what I did learn is that my mother had some um, traumatic events of her own happen to her. When she was 12 years old, her mother, my, my maternal grandmother died, right? And so she was in and out of homes and kind of forced her into the streets and made the wrong decisions and met the wrong people. And that's how she, you know, uh, got to where she was by the time I was born. So not making an excuse, but I've come to understand, you know, who she was as a woman um, before having become my mother, right? Um, also to add that this was right before the height of the crack epidemic. And unfortunately, so many people were trying this new drug, right? And, you know, my mother already had her own vices and this was just one of them, right? And so her addiction for us meant that she was often absent, right? And dad, when he was present, he was abusive to the family, right? Um, and so we pretty much learned at an early age that we were on our own. Um, we endured uh, so much um, abandonment and neglect and abuse that we started to come up with ways to fend for ourselves, right? Right. My older uh, siblings actually had uh, to just take on the form of parents for us, so to speak, right? Uh, although they needed parenting themselves. So um, shout out to them for that because thank God that they were there because we literally, uh, who knows what would have happened to us. But they um, went to such limbs to try to provide for us even though they needed provision right um my older siblings would actually dumpster dive for food for us right there was this market like not a market like a um a corner store at the end of our block and every week they would throw out like their expired um chips and snacks and all 
and my brothers would go down there and go through the dumpster and try to find the ones that the mice had not gotten through yet and the ones that were not um too badly expired and that's how we ate when mom wasn't home right um and this was life for us you know this was abnormally normal for us right um and at an early age like i said uh so many different forms of abuse really just ran through our family right um i remember that by the time i was six years old I knew what sex was, right? Not because I accidentally walked in on mommy and daddy or one of her partners or saw a movie that I wasn't supposed to watch, but because sexual acts were being done to me, right? Uh, I remember my mom had this one partner who had sons, and they were about 17 or 18. They were old enough to go to jail for what uh, they had been doing. Um, Obviously, I didn't know that then. You know, I'm six years old, but I remember... They instinctively, they knew that I was unprotected and mom was, you know, too doped up to notice and they would find me and violate me, right? And I remember one time we almost got caught and I remember running because I knew that somehow this was my fault, right? This was something I deserved and brought on myself and... If they found me like this, uh, whoever was coming up the stairs that day, that I would likely get in trouble for it. And so early on, I began to take on shame, right? I began to take on a guilt that was not mine, right? But you don't know that when you're six, right? Unfortunately for me, that would not be the first or the last time that this happened to me, right? Um, It seemed as if ever since that incident that there was some sort of signal sent out to all the bad guys. And in a lot of the homes that I went into, they instinctively knew that I was the one they could violate, right? Um, and again, I started to discern uh, people who I was be around, and I started to understand that I had better not find myself alone with a man or a male that was not my brother because those were the only times that I was protected is when I was with my brothers, Right. And again, I'm telling these stories as frankly as I know how, um, not because I want to garner some sort of negative attention or sympathy, but because I want to speak to that one who has gone through the same thing that I've gone through, Um, especially that one that feels as if, you know, they are alone and they don't understand and they'll never be able to get over it. Um. Because that is uh, the trick of the devil to make you feel that way, right? And so I have to be 100% honest or as honest as I know how to be, right? As honest my, as my emotions and the trauma will allow me to be. Because, again, this is trauma work for me even talking about it, right? Um, it's one thing to uncover it uh, in the presence of a medical professional. It's one thing to cover uncover it uh while you're, you know, in your closet praying, but it's a whole nother thing to uncover yourself like this um, in front of God knows who will listen, right? And so if you were that one who identifies with my story so far, then I'm speaking to you and I'm doing this for you.
So going back to my childhood, um, this was, like I said, uh, unfortunately normal for us. And uh, I will also remember that by the time those um, D.A.R.E. programs, the D.A.R.E. to Say No to Drugs programs came out, um, I already knew what each of the drugs that they went on to explain was. Um, you know, I didn't know their specific names, but uh, it wasn't uncommon for us to come downstairs and see you know, the dining room table just sprawling with drugs all across it. I remember times where we literally ate at the same table where you would find um, crack and pills and weed and just all sorts of drug paraphernalia right there next to us, right, Um, while we we would be eating. And so... At such a young age, there was a high exposure to things that you might see in the movies, right? To things that no child had any business coming to realize, coming to understand, or coming to experience, right? Uh, And things got progressively worse. I remember, uh, again, like Dyfus was involved and... We were in and out of foster homes. Uh, there was this happens to be that the foster home that we went to was right across the street from our house. It was a foster lady. And I guess because it was the 70s and 80s, things were done differently back then. Like, you know, if you call the DIFAS now, um, there's a whole case. And sometimes the police is involved. And, you know, there's steps to getting your children back. And you kind of have to prove um, that you have a stable environment. And for some reason, we came and went. Um in this foster lady's home. Um, and the big kids were in like a group home, like a job corps type of thing, but it was foster care for like teenagers. Um, but I remember being able to walk out of the foster care lady's house and walk across the street. And sometimes I would happen to walk up with my mom, like, how come you didn't come and get me? You know, you home, (laughs) but this was just the norm for us. Um, and so early on, there was, for me, I can only speak for me, there's this sense of lost identity. I did not know who I was because I did not know who she was, right? And there was so much disheveling going on within our family. It was hard to keep roots. It was hard to, to lay down any roots. It was, we were here. It was, we were there, you know. Um, and when we were, wherever we were, there was always high levels of dysfunction in the midst. And so shortly after um, Dyfus got involved, my uh, older siblings, the big kids, I call them, they went to go live, like I said, in this um, group home facility. It was like a job corps. And um, I don't know, again, I don't know why Adam and I were allowed to stay with my mom after they were placed but I remember we would go see the big kids on the weekends and my sister would like pack us little treats and snacks uh from this group home and uh I always thought that was really special that she thought about us even when you know she was in a a strange environment and everything so I love you sis for that if you're listening (laughs) um but yeah, so we would go see them on the weekends and they stayed in this uh, facility. And shortly after that, um, we lost our house. My mom lost the house and we actually moved into an abandoned house, right? Um, 
and we were not there long, but I remember living there. I remember that this house, it had no water, it had no electricity, no front door, no back door, and there was not even uh, a bathroom, right? Well, where the bathroom was, there was no toilet, there was no tub, right? And I remember that uh, there would be buckets, mom would place buckets outside, to catch the rain for us to wash up in, right? And needless to say, the living conditions were deplorable, right? Um, The water that she caught buckets, I'm sorry, the buckets that she caught water in, uh, you know, were filthy. Uh, There would be maggots in the water. Like, it was just deplorable. Um, And I remember thinking, this house is strange. You know, this house is weird, you know. But, you again, you don't know at six years old or... Maybe I was just too traumatized at that point to even realize, like, what was going on. But again, you know, I was a child. Um, But I do remember the realization that we were different, right? There was this neighbor, like a door or two down from us, and it was this pretty little girl. um, And I think she was my age. And we would meet at the gate. There was a gate outside. um, And we would meet at this gate and talk. And one day... Uh, she was telling me that she was getting ready to go to the zoo. And she said, like, we're going to the zoo, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. My mom this, my dad this. And she was going on and on. And I was like, oh, can I go? And she was like, okay, I'm going to go ask my dad. And she skipped away to ask her dad. And I'm standing there at the gate waiting for her. And when I look up, he's already at their front door, uh, like at the screen door. Um and he just had this look on his face, like, you better not never ask me for nothing. <laughs> and she skipped up to him, and, you know, he said some things to her. And she turned around. She was all deflated, walking back to me. And she said, my dad said, uh, you can't go to the zoo with us, and I can't be your friend, and I can't talk to you no more. Um, and I remember as she was walking away, the only thing I could uh, think was, like, wow, she's so clean, you know, she's so cute, and she's so pretty, and again, I looked back up at the dad, and again, he was just totally disgusted, (laughs) and I looked back down at myself, right, I looked at me, and I remember thinking, like, oh, I'm dirty, like, I'm a dirty little girl, and I looked at our house, and I looked back at his house, and he was standing in this, uh, like I said, in the front door, I'm sorry, like in the screen door of it. And I looked at our house and from where I was standing, because there was no front door and no back door, you could see straight through the house. And I remember looking straight to the backyard and I got it. I got it. I was like, oh, we're poor. I'm dirty. And that's why, you know. And so for that reason, that's another reason why I think poverty is traumatizing because that was very traumatic for me to have that realization, you know, at six years old, like, oh, you know. Um, And so needless to say, uh, once life has found out about how we were living, you know, it was decision time for my mom. She had to basically decide whether she was going to you know, give us away to the state like the big kids or whether um, she would find someone to take us that she knew or whether she would get herself together, right? And uh, fortunately for us, she was able to find some relatives that agreed to take us uh, while she got on her feet. 
And of course, with the promise that once you get yourself together, uh, you can go back and get your kids, right? Because um, we'll keep them for you, right? Um, And so you would think that at this point or with this new um, possibility that the devil would just leave me alone, right? And that that would be the end of my trauma and um, unfortunate um, aspects of my life. But uh, it wasn't, right? What I do know now is that the devil hates me. And that's okay because I hate him too. Uh, the feeling is very much mutual. Um, but I'm going to win, right? Uh, because regardless of what he tried, and oh, he did definitely try his very best to destroy me from the inside out, right? Um, God has kept me, right? And so we went from what you would consider from the frying pan and into the fire. Um, although the next environment that we went to was obviously much cleaner. We had food to eat, a place to lay our head and clean clothes on our back. Um, when the devil has an assignment out on your life, it does not unfortunately matter where you go. He will always attempt to complete that assignment and his assignment on my life was to break me mentally emotionally uh and spiritually right he really wanted to destroy me so where I went that spirit followed the spirit of abuse followed uh the spirit of abandonment and and rejection uh, all of those things follow me but I'm going to end this episode here because we need time to unpack what happened next um, in episode two, or I guess part two. So, and I don't want to cram 20 years of trauma into 20 minute episodes, right? We need time to unpack. And because uh, I do also want to explain to you step by step how each event uh, began to change me. And I need to, I need to um, take it step by step, right? So by all means, please do stay tuned. We have so much in store for you. I'm actually planning an episode with a mental health therapist. I'm planning an episode with a psychology expert. I'm planning episodes also with people like you and I who have trauma stories that they would like to share. Uh, If you would like to be on the show and you would like to share something, even if you want to share anonymously, uh, we can do that as well. So be sure to check out the episode show notes. You will find a link to the podcast uh, webpage, which is triumphovertrauma.com. Additionally, you'll find some additional uh, tips and resources on how to find a mental health expert, how to begin therapy, um, how to confront your past and begin dealing with trauma, right? Um, I'm also going to list some of the books I'm reading to help me along in this journey. One of the books I'm reading that I really recommend is called The Body Keeps the Score. It's by Bessel van der Kirk. A really, really good book. Also, if you want to follow me on my socials, you'll find those links as well. I'm pretty much Miss Eve on all of my channels. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. So if you follow me there, you'll see that I am a lover of all things fashion, beauty, and inspiration. So if you're into all those things, of course, follow me there and I'll follow you back. Also, if you're looking to update your wardrobe, I do also have an online boutique called Studio E Boutique 
all of my Triumph Over Trauma listeners will receive a 10% discount uh, anytime you shop. So just be sure to use the discount code TRIUMPH at the checkout. Um, and then you'll go ahead and take advantage of the discount. All right. So thanks again so much for listening. Until next time. Bye. God bless.